0: And welcome to SpaceKate's Guide to Science Fiction. I'm your host, SpaceKate with a capital K, and I'm here to take you on a philosophical journey through science fiction. In today's episode, we will examine the first official extraterrestrial visit to Earth, as recorded by Voltaire. So, put on your thinking caps and fasten your seatbelts. You may remember, if you have been following this guide from the beginning, that we left off sometime during the 2nd century AD. Lukian's true story was, as we observed, the first official surviving text of the Western literary tradition that described a space journey and an interplanetary war. In theory, such a text, considering its success, would have spawned more stories similar to Lucian's. That, however, does not seem to have been the case. No other fictional account of a space journey survives immediately after Lucian. Does this mean no other author attempted to write something similar? Possibly. How do we know? While it is conceivable that someone did write something similar, since the numbers of qualified authors and readers at the time were significantly lower than they are today, the number of written works are also proportionate to that as well. Bottom line, if someone had written another tale of speculative fiction in Lucian's vein, we would have known, even if the text itself did not make it to the 21st century. Someone, somewhere, would have made a mention of it. And then there is, of course, the rise of Christianity as the official religion, dominating the European continent ever since the Edict of Milan in 313 AD and the Edict of Thessalonica in 380 AD. If you paid close attention to your European history lessons in school, then you'd remember the term dark or middle ages a term that covers Western European history roughly between the demise of the Western part of the Roman Empire and the Renaissance, which began around the 14th century in Italy. It is the Western part of Europe that interests us here, because the Eastern part of the Roman Empire, which eventually became known as the Byzantine Empire, has an entirely different development, which is also depicted in its literature. Why are the Middle Ages and the rise of Christianity so important in this conversation about science fiction, though? Well, a central doctrine of Christianity, and I would argue of any religion in general, but that's just me, was the have faith and doubt not phrase. Anything remotely scientific, and therefore questioning the Almighty, was considered suspicious, dangerous, liable to persecution. The Catholic Church kept a vigilant eye over any scientific development that might have appended the simple belief in the Holy Trinity, and they were extremely effective in suppressing dissenting theories. Just ask Galileo Galilei! So that's one explanation as to why there are no texts that could qualify as early sci-fi after Lucian. The other is again connected to the fact that people who were able to read and write were few and lived mostly in monasteries and palaces. The vast majority of the population was illiterate. There was no audience, and until the invention of the printing press, writing something and circulating it among a large number of readers, was extremely difficult. All these factors contributed to a lack of stories that could be considered science fiction. Thankfully, nothing lasts forever. Enter François-Marie Arouet, or, as he's more commonly known, Voltaire. He was a really cool guy, actually. Apart from his wit, which is evident in his writings, he was also a staunch proponent of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and the separation of church and state. And all that in the 18th century! He travelled around Europe extensively, and he made both friends and enemies. If you've ever had the pleasure of listening to Leonard Bernstein's Condide, then you know that this was an adaptation of Voltaire's novella. Now our friend Voltaire here was an avid reader, and in his studies he too stumbled upon our other friend, Lucian. The result of this auspicious meeting of the minds was a short, adorable little text by Voltaire called Micromegas. The exact date of publication is in contention, but the most widely accepted one is 1752. Literally, the title is constructed by two Greek words, micro meaning small, and megas meaning grand or big. In Peter Fallon's translation, we we'll read that Micromegas is an quote, eight leagues tall end quote, giant who lived quote, on one of the planets that orbits the star named Sirius. He is educated, brilliant, and even authored a book on the quote, matter of finding out whether the substantial form of the fleas of Sirius were of the same nature as those of the snails. End quote. This book, however, brings him all sorts of trouble, as some random inspector challenges the book's content and succeeds in condemning Micromegas to 800 years of abstinence from the planet's court. Voltaire here is clearly criticising the censoring of scientific books, and not just those, by unqualified individuals who, in their inadequacy, had to find ways of silencing those minds that challenged the status quo. Voltaire himself was no stranger to such attacks. Micromegas then embarks on a journey, quote, from planet to planet in order to develop his heart and mind, end quote. The method of travel Voltaire advises for his hero is a rather simple one, quote, our voyager was very familiar with the laws of gravity, and with all the other attractive and repulsive forces. He utilised them so well that, whether with the help of a ray of sunlight or some comet, he jumped from globe to globe like a bird vaulting itself from branch to branch." Quote. If only one could physically jump from planet to planet, wouldn't that be fun? Anyway, Micromegas eventually arrives on Saturn, where he befriends, quote, the Secretary of the Academy of Saturn, A spirited man who had not invented anything, to tell the truth, but who understood the inventions of others very well, and who wrote some passable verses and carried out some complicated calculations. The Saturnians, by the way, are, quote, no more than a thousand fathoms tall, or somewhere around there. Again, Voltaire is using the aliens of Saturn, and specifically the secretary of the Academy, as a stand-in for a contemporary of his. But this particular subject is not of interest to us from a sci-fi point of view, so we'll leave it aside. The point is that the two of them decide to continue on Micromegas's journey together. There is a hilarious scene between the Saturnian and his girlfriend before they depart, which reads like this, quote... Our two philosophers were just ready to take off into Saturn's atmosphere with a very nice provision of mathematical instrument, when the ruler of Saturn, who had heard news of the departure, came in tears to remonstrate. She was a pretty petite brunette, who was only 660 fathoms tall, but who compensated for this small size with many other charms. "'Cruelty!' she cried. "'After resisting you for one thousand and five hundred years, "'just when I was beginning to come around, "'when I'd spent hardly a hundred years in your arms, "'you leave me to go on a voyage with a giant from another world? "'Go! You're only curious. You've never been in love. "'If you were a true Saturnian, you would be faithful. "'Where are you running off to? What do you want?' Our five moons are less errant than you, our ring less inconsistent. It's over. I will never love anyone ever again. The philosopher embraced her, cried with her, philosopher that he was, and the woman, after swooning, went off to console herself with the help of one of the dandies of the country. End quote. I mention this incident because, again, the female sex falls short in this story. Although Voltaire seems to indicate that the women of Sirius, at the very least, are equal in intellectual abilities as the men, because Micromégas calls for female witnesses in his defence during his trial about the book. Whether that was meant sincerely or was just another jab at court proceedings in Voltaire's times is an open question. Anyway, the two leave Saturn and very quickly arrive on Earth. At first, and due to their incredible physical size, they come to the conclusion that Earth is uninhabited. Mikromigas challenges this notion, however, and they continue their search for anything remotely alive. And indeed, they find a whale. Now, surprisingly, Whales feature prominently in one very popular sci-fi movie, namely Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. It's usually the Trek movie even non-trekkers have seen at least once. It's a wonderful movie, in my terribly biased opinion. Can I guarantee that the people who wrote the screenplay were directly drawing on Voltaire's short story? No. But it is a sweet thought that, in Voltaire's mind, the first earthbound creature to come into contact with extraterrestrials was a whale. And that the same species were the solution to saving the earth and captain kirk's future whale aside the two aliens at last find actual humans and despite the fact that universal translators had not been invented yet managed to communicate in french the conversation that unfolds in and of itself is extremely interesting but has little to do with actual science fiction. True, they start by trying to determine certain constants regarding the physical world and mathematics, but then the subject matter quickly shifts to the question of what is the soul and how humans form ideas. However, during the entire conversation, Voltaire, again without it being his immediate intention, sets up some of the questions that plague sci-fi ever since. The first has to do with the self-destructive nature of mankind, as it is observed through warfare. Quote, it is a matter, said the philosopher, of some piles of mud as big as your heel. It is not that any of these millions of men that slit each other's throats care about this pile of mud. It is only a matter of determining if it should belong to a certain man whom we call Sultan, or to another who we call, for whatever reason, czar. Neither one has ever seen, nor will ever see, the little piece of earth, and almost none of these animals that mutually kill themselves have ever seen the animal for which they kill. Quote. In this simple analysis, the humans acknowledge the futility of war, a concept that becomes central to many a sci-fi story in our times, perhaps the most prominent example being Robert Heinlein's novel Starship Troopers. Side note, the Paul Verhoeven adaptation, while extremely entertaining and one of my absolute guilty pleasures as a movie, is actually not a good adaptation of Heinlein's novel. Second is indeed the question of the soul, a question that, in Voltaire, receives multiple answers, all given through the lens of popular philosophical ideologies of the time. He quotes Aristotle, Rene Descartes, Nicolas Malebranche, Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz, John Locke, and finally St. Thomas Aquinas. The search for the definition of the soul is inextricably tied with science fiction stories that deal with advanced artificial intelligence and, of course, robots, androids, and the lot. Because it is tied to the question what makes us human? Any popular show or novel implementing the AI-robot trope eventually finds itself asking that very question. And Voltaire was the first to do so, even though AIs and robots were most certainly not in his mind. Voltaire was not really trying to favour one philosophical position over the other. In truth, it seems as if he is completely dismissive of all the suggested definitions given by his scholars in this story. He drives this point home by having Micromegas write a book for the humans that would help them to, quote, see the point of everything, end quote. However, upon opening the book, the humans discover that it was, quote, nothing but blank pages, end quote. While we may not get the answer to everything, Douglas Adams did that centuries later, and we'll come to that eventually, we do get a glimpse of the scientific progress made in Voltaire's times. Mikromigas is a text that reads almost like a scientific treatise. There are precise numbers given, the few planets mentioned by name are accurately described, with the knowledge available at the time of course, and Voltaire goes out of his way to show that humans were indeed very adept at measuring things. So Gas is not just the first European text that we have where aliens come to visit Earth, but additionally the first science fiction text that incorporates actual science. Granted, it's not speculative science, but it still is more scientifically oriented than its predecessor, the true story. So, there you have it. Voltaire's satire introduces us to the first benevolent aliens who are in search of knowledge, and really... That's what science fiction is all about the search of knowledge and understanding in the hopes that we might, eventually, make a better world for ourselves and the generations to come. Before I leave you, here's what you can expect from our next episode Where do all the lost things go when you can't find them? Curious? Well, tune into the next episode to find out more. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, rate, review, and recommend it to your friends. If you really enjoyed this podcast, you can buy me a cup of virtual coffee. How? Well, you'll find out in the link from the show notes. You can find me on Twitter at SpaceGate. Thank you for listening, and until next time.